dude. Yeah, dude, man. it's like Godzilla is outside my door right now. Yeah, I swear this lightning has just come into my room twice, literally. Holy shit! Cool. <laughs> that is bonkers. Woof! Did you hear that? Oh shit! I'm scared now. Yeah, well, dude, no. dude, dude, dude! Fuck! 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 No. Fuck! Did you see that? <laughs> it's dude. Oh yeah, this is worrying. But hello to the listeners. Hello, if you've just caught the glimpse of that, there is currently, arguably, the biggest storm Saigon has seen both in terms of corona and the weather, is happening right now. So me and Nick, my guest, are currently observing it. And yeah, if you- Dude, that was the longest like sound of thunder ever, I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) The storms have gone even crazier in this time. Oh shit, fuck, 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 it's coming. (laughs) I'm kind of actually slightly dead, I must admit. But yeah. Same. For those, <laughs> for those listening here, my guest today is Nick, and he's making his third appearance on Comeback so far. He appeared on Cold One with Cold Ones with Connor, episode seventy-three with Max Callahan, and episode eighty discussing non-dualism. Got a range of topics today, but the first one is a stormy one. Yeah, this is crazy. You're in D three, right? No, you're in Bintan, aren't you? I'm in Bintan. Yeah. Yeah, right. for real. How are you finding this lockdown then, as a whole? Damn, man. This is what, month three, right? Yeah, I believe so. Is this month three? Yeah, but it's gone. It's, yeah. I'd say it's about five weeks of really strict procedure, where before it was lockdown, but not lockdown, mm. if that makes sense. True, true, yeah. Yeah, it's just gone a bit crazy. How have we'll you, see how that goes. Yeah, how have you kept yourself busy? Um... I guess recently it's been, I've been like going from reading to videos and stuff. Um, reading about people that have been in jail and also watching movies about that. Like it puts our situation into an interesting perspective. <laughs> yeah, for real. I did similar to a degree. Have you heard of Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning? Yeah, I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Yeah. He basically outlines in his book when he was in jail, he was obviously in Auschwitz. He would imagine himself playing a mental game of chess just to get through the day so when he's in solitary confinement Mm. he just imagined himself playing chess and one that helped him alleviate the boredom with a a mind movie and also when he got out and actually started playing chess he was a lot better than he would have been because he pre he visualized every move so it's a a show how powerful the human mind is yeah for real yeah what that's amazing what fascinates you about people from jail? Why have you been looking at jailbirds? Ah, <laughs> uh, um, to get it's like I guess because like I'm we're in lockdown now. It seems like a good time to read about that, anyways. Yeah, because people have been locked and locked down for years in like much worse situations than us. Like I have Wi-Fi and I have Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. And I've got social media and I have eLibrary, which is this vast collection of. 70 to 80 percent of books especially the big ones that you can access are on that website so i've been very lucky to dive into it Uh, just absolutely hammer the reading (laughs) like i can go for a walk or go to my roof and see sunlight whenever i want like i feel more lucky i guess (laughs) yeah i wasn't able to go for a walk for 11 days my building was completely shut off so 
Mm. Yeah, it was horrible going down, and there's the the red tape, and you think I can't pass this, but I guess even if I come out, I can walk to Family Mart, I can walk to Anam, I can walk to the shops, and that's really about it. Mm. Damn. Yeah, it's so bonkers. Yeah, man, I see. I saw like pictures of tanks and shit on the street. I don't know if that's true. Or like guys in like the hazmat suits with rifles. Is yeah, that true? That, that, that is true, yeah. And also, yeah, yeah, the military at the airport where they're all coming from the airport. I don't know exactly why this is. I believe it's to deliver food to everyone whilst the supermarket oh, right. is completely shut. It's, yeah, it's bonkers. The next two weeks are completely shut down. Have you Have you stocked up your groceries? Just today, actually, I went to go buy a bunch of shit. So I'm stocked for now. Yeah. I went, At least for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I went into my local family mart and every shelf, and I'm not kidding, every shelf was just gone. Completely empty. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. I went to the like local like little grocery store, co-op food. And then... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. In this situation, in this complete lockdown that we're in where we have to spend time with our thoughts is there mm. anyone in the public domain who you think you could who you think would really would really thrive in this situation somebody who would be here with him or his or her thoughts and still be absolutely fine just due to their resilience mm. um the cool thing is that the people that can do that, they're not really resilient. They just don't identify with the thoughts. Okay. So like, it, like if you think about it, like they're not fighting their emotions. They, they just don't identify with them while they continue to happen. Yeah, okay. Is this going to the practice we taught last time where they can watch their thoughts in front of them like a movie without making any sort of engagement? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, to just observe them and not, and to not identify with them. Like, 0% identification. Yeah, for real. And that's probably the most valuable tool or one of them about this lockdown where <laughs> you're going to be stuck with your thoughts regardless. And there's a quote yeah. somewhere, whoever said it, that all problems arise from man not being able to sit by himself with his thoughts. Maybe right. that's the key. Just, yeah, watch them and don't identify. It's like, look at the weather right now. It's like, there's a thunderstorm, but that wasn't there an hour ago, right? Like, the weather just changes. Like, yeah. our like our thoughts just do the same thing. We can't control them. They just come and go. Yeah, they just change. So almost when the thoughts get stormy, watch them like we do the weather, like this current storm that we're observing from our rooms right now. Exactly. Yeah, that's the exactly. way. How can you got any idea how to do this? We may have discussed it on the the second pod, but I've, I always use the analogy of a movie just because I don't know. I seem to like it. You got any mm. techniques to look at the thoughts and observe them? Recently, I've just by accident. I think I kind of made two that worked for me. Like one, <laughs> I guess, but I'm trying to make a different one for different weather in my mind. So so far, I have one for anger. And one for, <laughs> like, I have, like, a really bad habit that's itching me, like, one of those. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Do you mind, you know, telling me a bit more about the anger one? The anger one, like, I imagine, like, um, you know, like, our big water 
jugs that uh, that we buy for the house yes i imagine a full one with water and i'm just looking at the water and then if i get angry i imagine like red paint got dipped into the water and just kind of turning red <laughs> but eventually eventually that red fades out and it's just like clear water again yeah why did you choose the color red is there any reason i'm only asking you this because i've got a chart in front of me which talks about color breathing and it comes with all the promotions and associations with each color and red is coming mm. up with energy strength motivation willpower attention to detail do you think any of these help with the technique you're using mm, i don't know maybe attention to detail if i can create an image in my mind and really see the detail clearly maybe yeah just like a visualization process yeah yeah I just imagine, yeah, like water and then it gets dipped with some red paint and it's swirling around. And like when I feel the anger, I'm like, I'm watching the, the, the red water swirling and shit. But then when I feel it's faded out, then the water's just clear again. Okay, yeah. And is that similar to the one? You said the first one is anger. The second is bad. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you have, like for me, like when I have a really bad habit that's going to start, like, um, I imagine like <laughs> like a cigarette, right? Okay. And in the very middle, it's getting like brighter and like lit from the middle, like from the inside out. Yeah. And as as like the trigger, like for my bad habit gets stronger, then the light keeps getting bigger and bigger, like taking over the cigarette. So then as it's fading, I just, I see it shrinking back into the middle until it fades out. Right, okay. Damn, that's a good one. Where'd you learn this? Just because in the moment I tried something and, and it worked, I guess. Right, okay. Like in the moment, just recently when like <laughs> the security guy at Co-op Foods like told me to stop walking like in a rude way, it pissed me off. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? And then like, I'm going to observe this shit. And I just imagine, yeah, that thing I just told you. Like, the water. Yeah. Yeah. And it be, worked. <laughs> yeah. And that can be used for any example. For example, not smoking or not biting your nails. or I'm trying to think of bad habits right <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty cool but also yeah one guy whose book i've read i've got into him having previously listened to some interviews a couple of years ago a guy called goggins you know goggins dude of course <laughs> of course i know <laughs> that guy that guy's a machine i never realized you know i watched the joe rogan interview two years ago and i, I came across it and thought wow he's an extraordinary guy but thought it was a bit intense and I listen back now and think well he just refuses to say no and refuses to give up regardless of any circumstance whatsoever I wonder how he's coping with COVID yeah, he's probably just working out at home every day man <laughs> just yeah and having a good time too I'm sure yeah do you think that his level of enjoyment where for, for you or I or most people it would be kick back watch some Netflix order a pizza do you think his level of enjoyment is that thousandth rep, that thousandth <laughs> leg press, where it really starts to hurt? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm really, I'm wondering too what it is. What could it be? I don't know. <laughs> he'd be, <laughs> he'd be one of like upside down sit ups and shit. <laughs> yeah, and like even the pull up record where I can't, I think I wrote, I read his book and I know that it's, I believe, and this isn't the exact figure, four thousand one hundred and seventeen pull ups. <laughs> see it's laughable to even say and he tried it three times before he did it and i think he 
he couldn't get past <laughs> he couldn't get past two thousand, and he was absolutely livid with himself. You think what? Yeah. He's just stood there at a bar just all day, just pull ups, pull ups. People would come and watch him as well. So say he starts yeah. at five in the morning, <laughs> people just stood there to lunch, and he's still up there doing pull ups. Also, what's cool is like he like he sees how many he has to do, and then he like puts that number into like how many to do per minute, and then he yeah. does it that way. So he always hits like these a lot of mini goals to reach the last one. Yeah, which is extraordinary because I do think that's the best way to go through any kind of task or journey. But also, when we say mini goal, he's he's trying to do four thousand one hundred and seventeen pull ups in a row, and he classes yeah. that as mini, and he's breaking it down into just such minuscule steps. But that's probably why. Have you managed to read his book? Can't hurt me. No, not yet. I need to read that man. He tells some story where I think he's on, he's doing a hundred mile run, I think. And he's on mile 62 and <laughs> Dude, I know the story. The other he breaks his leg or, and his toenails are coming off with the pain and he's bleeding down his leg and he, he carries on and he's still like, nope, I'm not stopping. And he's, I think he gets to a hundred, which is already extraordinary. He goes, now nah, I've got to do another one just to prove I'm okay. Just runs another mile on, on two broken legs or something ridiculous. <laughs> he would do that. <laughs> It's like, yeah, have you seen his, oh, who's the guy, Jesse Iltzer, I think, on, on Joe Rogan? Is that oh, the, the guy, guy that, like, hired him to live with him for a month or something? Yeah, 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 have you seen him? That That's, intense. That's intense, yeah, yeah, I heard that one too. <laughs> You're just, yeah, in bed with your wife at 5am and Goggins is tapping you on the shoulder, like, time to drain. Just imagine. <laughs> he was saying, like, Goggins responded, like, if you're crazy enough to pay me to live with you, like, motherfucker, I'm crazy enough to go. <laughs> What's the other one? The, the the weather warning. It says huge snowstorm. Do not leave your house. Like, yeah. stay, stay at home. Goggins comes downstairs. Like right time to run. I love the thing where he's like in the sauna, right? Like like I thought I was a sauna guy until I went with Goggins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a weird one though because do, do you think Goggins has friends? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm trying to think though, as in. He, he Dude, was, how he's would... actually friends with fucking isn't it Dan Bilzerian? Is he? Yeah, they're what bros. The fuck? They're fucking bros. Because they're both Navy SEALs too. <laughs> what was Dan Bilzerian a Navy SEAL? Yeah, dude. What? I don't even know that much about his story. I, I just saw a bit of him on London Real where he mainly described playing poker, not the actual background. So he was a SEAL. Dude. Oh damn. Dude, he has like some like like his one story that I heard was like his legs were like broken from training but he didn't want to join the military i think any longer so he went for like a 20 mile run on broken legs just so the doctor would say like oh yeah you, you can't join just take a break okay. <laughs> that he has some goggins in him man yeah geez <laughs> hanging out with goggins must have you know done some wonders how long have him and goggins been friends do you think is it since the navy seal days or is it more of a recent thing now they're both in the mainstream I think they didn't meet in the Navy SEALs. They just happened to meet just later in life. I think so. Yeah, for real. Jeez, that's, that's crazy. So cool. Yeah. When I'm thinking of Goggins' as friends, I, the thing that's confused me is, imagine being friends with Goggins, where, you know, sometimes you're with your buddy and you're like, oh, I'm a bit tired. Like, imagine saying that to Goggins. <laughs> yeah. He'd be like, right, 100 press-ups. And then more. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be cool, right? It'd be cool to experience that at least once. Yeah, I don't know how, 
you sh- there should be a thing where you can have Goggins as your best friend. So you like you do what Jesse Ilza did, and you hire Goggins and just see how long you do. So you, all the <laughs> all those little whines and those little oh I can't do this and those little complaints on a daily basis. I feel like Goggins would iron you out of them. Like every time you whinged about, say, as you mentioned, the security guy in the mall or a guy cutting you off in traffic, I feel like Goggins would wipe that the fuck out of you pretty quickly. <laughs> I think like the closest thing to Goggins that I know is my friend Arturo, my best friend in back in Virginia. Oh yeah. Also, he's like Marine and shit. So like, he, I think he's more hardcore than most of my friends. <laughs> what 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 sort of you got any examples of stuff that he does that's Goggins like? I think every time I think of you know a a synonym for it, intense or hardworking, I just say Goggins now. I think that sums it up. <laughs> He just goes for these long fucking runs where like a normal person would vomit, but he's okay. Yeah. Is he, he the sort of, guy, sort of guy who even if he goes on a night out and he can, you know, be at the bar till all hours till the next morning, he's just on it. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure he's just on it. Yeah, and but the cool thing is like, I know him since like we're 14. So like in the past he wasn't like athletic at all. And then after he joined the Marines, he was like Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, well, cool. that's, the same, that's the same with Goggins. How, wasn't he you know, 300 pounds, is extraordinary? And within nine months, he lost a stupid amount. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, it makes me think, you know, when I'm up there and I'm thinking, I need to do 10K run today. I just, I literally have, like we were saying with the observing your thoughts like a movie, I just have a credits coming up in bright red letters where it just says, Goggins. <laughs> Goggins. And that's-, that's all you need. That's all you need, man. Goggins. <laughs> Yeah, I think when I do my first 10k run, which I've signed up for in October, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not usually a fan of audiobooks, but I might just download Goggins' audiobook because I feel like then I could do a 10k and then another 10k just to, you know, make sure I've done it properly. And then another 10 for afters, maybe, maybe another 10 for the week later. Just go the whole hog. Dude, just make a playlist out of all of his, like, most popular um, YouTube videos where you're just, like, Giving you like a short lecture, like stay hard. Stay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hard. That, that, that reminds me of the video. Uh, I think we spoke about it before where that lady says, Hey, Goggins, can I ask you a question? He's like, Go ahead. Did you train today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just howling. <laughs> That's funny. It's fucking cool. Right? But like, yeah, Goggins. I mean, I think rest and downtime is important, but you know, what, what does Goggins do for a rest? What does Goggins do for a uh, He does yoga. Oh, really? Yeah, he's just two hours every night. <laughs> yeah. He says in the past, his body was fucked up because he didn't believe stretching was necessary. But later, like, he learned that it's good and he just does it yeah, all, so all the time. His two, his two hours of yoga is his uh, rest. Yeah. Jesus. Cannot. Because his body was, like, internally just getting fucked from the training and no stretching. No, for real, I can imagine. And he, <laughs> he had a hole in his heart. Literally, like oh, I can't remember really discovered this. Said, yeah, Goggins, you've got a hole in your heart. Like what? He had a hole in his heart, and the day before surgery, he went for a fucking like twenty mile run. Because <laughs> he said, "I'll I'll be out of commission for a while, so I I should just get this one in while I still can." Like, <laughs> <laughs> how did he, I think he'd, he'd done quite a few you know superhuman traits just before that and superhuman achievements? Like he'd run hundred miles and done a few Ironman races, and he. And they still hadn't detected the hole in his heart, so that makes it even more miraculous. Yeah. What the? <laughs> it, it, 
in his book, he actually talks about the procedure and he goes, they had to operate on the hole in my heart and they fucking got it wrong. And it was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> the bubble test, the bubble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn that guy. <laughs> Have you seen when he's on an interview with, I think it's Jesse Itzer and it's on a talk show in America. So it's a little bit, you know, cheesy and hey, how are you? What's up? You know, how's things going? And Goggins is just, <laughs> he's there stern faced the whole time. It's just, yeah, literally doesn't speak. Like they try and do small talk with him, and he's just like, hey, what's up? Stay hard. <laughs> like That's a, fucking awesome. <laughs> like an 8 a.m. like Tim and Susie show. It's just crazy. He has no time for small talk, man. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying Fuck to think, like, talk. something that's popped into my head. Like, we're both teachers in Vietnam. Can you imagine Goggins in a classroom? <laughs> Can you it has imagine? to be high school. It has to be secondary because he can't yeah. be doing like grade, grade one. <laughs> Grade one, when he's teaching like the ABC, and they're like, uh, but, but, say it. <laughs> Stay hard, Billy. Stay hard, iPhone. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, it'd have to be high school. And I've never taught high school here, but I've heard that they can be a little bit, you know, like in any any country, any age, they can get a bit cheeky when they get to that age. Just imagine, right. you're, imagine you're getting lippy with Goggins, just <laughs> seeing how that plays out for you. Yeah, it's not going to fucking work. Yeah, dude, one of my neighbors here, he's a Croatian ex-military, and okay. he teaches, yeah, and he teaches high school here in Vietnam. Matej, my bro Matej, he's back in Croatia now. Oh, okay. But he was teaching, yeah, because, dude, he has, like, the military base voice. He's like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I just imagine. <laughs> well, like, did he work for our old company, if I may ask? No, he worked for a different company. I forget oh, okay, what cool. the name was. Okay, I was yeah. just curious, because I heard there was a dude from our old company who did that so i was just wondering <laughs> it, it was military. okay now damn that because i yeah i can't imagine yeah because I, I can imagine you know with his military background that save class finished uh eight 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 thirty and usually for us the this the ac will say we'll wrap up at eight twenty five. he finishes at eight thirty, right yeah yeah <laughs> no excuses <laughs> no whole bar <laughs> yeah yeah imagine going to parents evening with him like, you know, when the parents want you to sugarcoat it and say, oh, yeah, you know, is my child great? He'd be like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I wonder how he would say it. I wonder what he, he would say. Yeah, for real. Damn, I'm, I'm just... I feel like he wouldn't say, like, oh, your kid is a dumbass. I feel like he would say something else. Like, I wonder what would it be. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, referring to Goggins here. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of Goggins in variety of life situations because... You know, we, we know that when it comes to physical training, I think he's got that covered hands down. But like in a bar, I can't imagine he drinks. <laughs> no, I don't no. think so. I'm just trying to think of, you know, in a bar or... Has he got kids? Has he got kids? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know his, about his family life. I know he, he talks a lot about his mum in the... Yeah. Book. Yeah, and he's obviously quite devoted to her. And I think he has a brother as well. I think so too, yeah. Yeah, he has a crazy backstory where his dad used to beat his mom and yeah. they ran away from him one day. They just packed up and left and Goggins' dad was, you know, pretty fuming. He used to beat Goggins daily and Goggins, you know, it stayed with him. It stuck. Man, that's rough, man. That's a really rough situation. Yeah, for real. Having to, like, flee and then came, you know, the huge weight gain and then the weight loss. And his life story, mm. I can't believe it's only come into the mainstream i might have this wrong but i swear it's only come into the mainstream the last five six years mm. yeah really. sure. 
you know, the guy he's like Superman, man. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm surprised there's not Goggins the movie. <laughs> there, there has to be at some point, <laughs> right? Like you have to. Yeah, because of what everything is a Jeep. Here's the problem: that who's going to play Goggins? Like, <laughs> who who could come anywhere near to replicating it? <laughs> Just fucking put Will Smith and then in deep face Goggins face on him. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> I'm trying to think who's the actor. Is it Christian Bale who does ridiculous body transformations between each film? They'd have to, you know. Right. Jeez, like, imagine you know going into character for Goggins. You, that's what I think Daniel Day Lewis does. That he goes around and just turns into his character for three months at a time before he gets stars in the big movie. Imagine having to live the Goggins lifestyle for three months before playing Goggins. Dude, this reminds me. Have you seen Jim and Andy on Netflix? No, I've not. What's it about? Okay, exactly this. Like Jim Carrey, he was in character for that dude he was playing, who's like one of his idols apparently, right? Okay. Like he was in character even after they said cut just for days for the whole shooting time yeah he, he had like two different characters he would switch on and off but he was never jim carrey for the entire uh, time of the shooting so after the shooting he was like wait who the, who the fuck is jim carrey you, you forgot <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you think that comes into you know something that i've thought about recently the alter ego effect where or is it Okay, well, actually, that might be different because I'm referring to an alter ego, but this example seems like Jim Carrey didn't even go into an alter ego. He just completely forgot about Jim Carrey. He just took on a new identity. And because, like, when he changed, when, like, when he made this alter ego, like, I guess he didn't know where the alter ego and his own ego began and separated. Something like that. Yeah. How do you think he went through that procedure though do you think there was a point where he breaking point where he crossed the path of consciousness from jim carrey and left it behind and then became jim from the net the show you think he just transcended his old self into a new reality the way he explained it was like when he was trying to get in character he would let the character like just appear or something like and then just act however it wants he says like i had no control over it like the character just played itself <laughs> something like that yeah jeez how'd you <laughs> yeah because the concept but then after like after the movie's over then he's like wait then what the fuck now <laughs> like, how weird that must feel yeah like you have to be snapped back into reality yeah for real like how, how would you even but then it makes that? you it makes you question reality to like then which one is real <laughs> yeah because he'd see the world as Jim Carrey and then Jim. Like he might ask, like, if I'm so moldable, then who am I? Which yeah. one of the molds am I? <laughs> or am I the mold? Like, what the fuck? What am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but who is the I? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who is the... That's why, like, he became friends with Eckhart Tolle after that. And then I guess they oh, figured yeah. something out. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Carrey and Eckhart Tolle. How many years ago was this Jim and Andy thing? I don't know exactly. Shit. I haven't seen yeah. that movie. Just the documentary that came out. Okay, yeah, because I feel like Jim Carrey went on this spiritual transformation at some point. Because you always mm. see him from the quotes and talking about the law yeah. of attraction. There's that story, I'm sure you've heard it, where he writes out a check to himself every day. Or not yeah, every he day. wrote a check. Yeah. He wrote like a check of what? Like $10 million? $10 million. Put it in, put it in his pocket and set it to a specific date, and it happened on that date. Yeah. Right. On the date. 
<laughs> yeah, like four years in advance. Yeah, he's been on Oprah, Super Soul, which means that you've definitely had your spiritual journey. <laughs> yeah, he's... And, yeah, shit. And he says, like, every movie he made was a reflection of, like, his, like, mental health or maybe mental experience Frame. of rea- reality at that moment. Mm-hmm. So now imagine the Truman Show. Yeah, right? that, that was the first thing that popped into my mind there. Yeah. Damn, Whoa. Yeah, what was imagine, that? like, feeling that maybe this is not reality. Like that. Yeah, or, like, the whole world is watching you. And your life is sure. like, there's some documentary. Maybe for, <laughs> maybe for aliens or something. Right, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, my- nothing that you think is real is, is, what, you, is what it might be. Like, it could be something yeah. else, right? Yeah. For <laughs> it makes you question that. It could be something else yeah how, maybe, maybe not Truman Show but just something else <laughs> how do you think filming for Truman Show was was it how do you think it felt for him you know for however many months it takes to film he's questioning his reality at every moment throughout that yeah and what's cool is I think he was doing that like that was just part of his like life journey at that moment this is what he says he was feeling like that at the moment what the hell yeah that was yeah. That was 1998. Damn, so that's I, I, quite a while. Jeez. <laughs> I just saw it recently, man, like a year ago, I think. What was a year ago? I just saw that movie like a year ago because I, I didn't know about it. Oh, The Truman Show. Damn. Yeah. And I was like, damn, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I had a period about three years ago where I watched a bit of sci-fi and was quest- started questioning reality when I was about 20. And that was one of the first films that, you know, come up as a recommendation. So one day I sat down and Stuck it on the box and thought, "Whoa, this is this is trippy." <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think of Jim's Jim Carrey's filmography now. I mean, what other roles has he had? Where, like Bruce Almighty? I know that's I know that's pale in comparison to others, but you've seen Bruce Almighty, right? Yeah, I've seen the first one, but it's been a long time. Yeah, no, it's probably yeah. That he was definitely questioning his role about God. And then he goes up <laughs> and Morgan Freeman is God and takes him on the right path. Yeah, we watched that. <laughs> in religious education class how many times my, my teacher i had for five years she was obsessed with it and she liked it or didn't like it oh she absolutely loved it i mean every every, <laughs> every opportunity she had she would show us bruce on we used to joke and say because we had her every year for some reason we'd be like right okay how many how many weeks until she puts on bruce almighty like every six weeks okay it's a friday let's watch this clip of bruce almighty that's so funny yeah, yeah she's a big fan yeah, no, she loved it. Yeah, I'm trying to think what other films Jim Carrey, Liar Liar, so he's probably, you know, questioning. Yeah, he can't tell a lie. Damn. Yeah, imagine getting in character for that, where you cannot tell a single lie. Even, you know, not, you know, there's a case of lying, whether it's a white lie or another lie, where, how are you? I'm fine, even if you're not. Imagine that. I can imagine Goggins taking this route, where you have to be one yeah. and honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he is too. I'm sure he is. <laughs> he is. Yeah. If you say, how are you today, Goggins? Like, how was training? Training wasn't the best. And you, you look, he's probably done <laughs> 1,500 pull-ups, a 30-mile run. <laughs> and it's still, <laughs> no, it's not great. Damn. Maybe Goggins and Jim Carrey would be friends. You know, if you bring them, if they're both prepared to go to that extra mile and I can imagine, yeah, with that, where, you know, if Jim Carrey's uh, mental frame refer- reflects every movie he's in, liar, liar, where he literally cannot tell a lie. 
would mm. relate to Goggins because I can imagine Goggins would be the same, just like, yeah, no, I'm not telling a lie. And Jim Carrey <laughs> would literally be with that. I love them in Ace Ventura. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was wicked. I can't really remember the plot. I know this because I watched it when I was about 10, so I can't remember what happens, but it was a great movie. Yeah. I heard like he, one of his like uh, oh no, wasn't it, you know Bill Maher right? Bill Maher. Yeah, I know Bill Maher. He was saying like he saw Jim Carrey do like a stand-up comedy, but he's only making face gestures, facial gestures. He oh. didn't say anything, and his <laughs> in his head it was funny as shit. <laughs> was it? Was, I know Bill Maher. I think he's a fan of the Greens. Was he on any of that stuff, or was it just watching Jim Carrey do faces funny? I know. I think he just wanted to see him do stand up for the first time randomly, and then Jim Carrey was doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's mad. Though. I was just thinking recently that another character, you know, Mister Bean Rowan Atkinson, who everyone knows, doesn't say a word, and yet it's still still funny now. I mean, I don't know if this is childish, but I still laugh a lot at Mister Bean. But how oh, it is funny, do, right? It's, yeah, it's great. How do you make so many people laugh just by doing facial expressions? Like, how do you make it? Yeah, I think saying nothing. <laughs> Also, similar with him, Mr. Bean also, like, on stage, he tried that, and it was funny. He said, like, he just did facial gestures for them, and people laughed their asses off. <laughs> Ad- yeah, adults. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it's great. Imagine saying to your agent, hey, I've got a new idea. What? I'm not going to say anything. He's like, excuse me? <laughs> like, I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to do facial expressions to see how far I go. And then makes a career, career off it. It's weird seeing him speak. Like, if you've ever seen a Rowan Atkinson interview, you think, what? This is weird. I do. I just watched Johnny English Reborn today. Oh, okay. How'd you find it? It's a funny dude. Like the part where he's like beating up old ladies because he thinks there's somebody. Like he's trying to catch the villain. He's yeah. like this Chinese old lady, but he always mistakes it for a white British lady, and he just starts beating up like he's like British grandmas by accident. <laughs> he's trying to catch the fucking spy. <laughs> he's a blessing. Yeah, I've seen the original Johnny English book again about 10 12 years ago, so my memory mm. for films isn't great. I forget the plot's quite easy. I forget too. It's just like a spy movie. Yeah, it's funny though. It's really silly. Yeah, it's like Mr. Bean's Holiday as well. I remember that being like a huge hit, especially UK. And yeah, he just he goes on holiday. I don't even know what the hell happens, but I creased the whole time. The whole time I was in hysterics just watching Mr. Bean, you know, run about. <laughs> I think there's like some good old stuff right now on Netflix, like Austin Powers and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Here's the thing: I've never actually seen that. For real? <laughs> I, I know. I know. I mean, I know that I'd love it as well. Like, I know Ben Troyer would be a fucking Joker, but like number two and three are the ones that I've seen the most. N- number one, just a few times, I think. Right. Okay. Wow. What's the plot like? Sum, sum it up for me. <laughs> it's like Austin Powers is like. This like uh like goofy looking spy with like uh like tie-dye clothing and shit. And he's British and he has glasses and like I guess terrible teeth for some reason, right? <laughs> but he look but all the girls like him. Like he can get any girl to like to hook up. Like, he, like everyone likes him. And he's also a spy and he's trying to beat Dr. Evil, who's like an evil mastermind. That's very but also pl- played by the same actor. Yeah. Whoa, okay yeah whoa okay it's so cool. what so Vern Troyer plays both the hero and well not the hero yeah the hero and the villain maybe oh wait this is Austin Powers with Mike Myers right I don't, I don't know <laughs> I'm not really sure on how it goes 
Yeah, it's like the the main character is Mike Myers, but yeah, he does. Okay. Him, he does the main character and the villain, and sometimes like extra villains too. Right, damn man. Yeah, I might. You know, cool. we, I don't have much else to do in the next two weeks, so I might just give that a try. You should, man. It's really fucking funny. Like it's yeah. and silly, but yeah. <laughs> Jim Carrey movies, uh, Goggins motivational clips, anything to do with Goggins, Austin Powers. What else? What else would you suggest I stick on my? My viewing playlist of the next few weeks. Anything coming to mind? Uh, there's this movie called like I think it's called like A Night of Twelve Days or something like that. No, sorry, sorry, A Night of Twelve Years. 12 right. Years. Okay. It's about the former president Pepe Mujica from Uruguay. Okay. Like when he was younger, he was put in jail, I think, for conspiring against the Uruguayan government. But anyways, they put him in. They said like we're not gonna kill you. We're gonna make you lose your mind. So they. They put him and two of his friends in jail, solitary confinement for twelve years. So he didn't interact with a single human. Outside. Yeah, they 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 even told the guards like don't communicate with them because we don't want anyone to talk to them. So they just delivered his food and his drink and left. Yeah, they would just they they would put him in like their cell and just give them yeah food and drinks. <sighs> and if they were lucky, they had windows because they would move them around to different prisons and shit. Jeez, man. So you just yeah, yeah. Look out the window and create your reality. <laughs> yeah. Confinement, damn. In one of them, they're looking out the window, and then someone comes and boards it up with wood. Oh, uh, so, so they get caught. It's like they're yeah, looking just, out the window. They can see the outside. Yeah. Shot don't even look out the window. Fucking board it up. <laughs> what the hell? What yeah, and this is a true story, dude. And those three guys, like. When they were lucky, they managed to be inside a cell where they could knock on the on the walls and make noise, and they would speak like in Morse code to each other. Jesus, yeah. yeah. If if it wasn't for that, they they wouldn't have had any communication at all. Holy fuck! And what do you think? You know, I, I'm guessing the movie explores what happens when they got out, or does it? No, they not really. They just they they get out finally at the end and then like the movie's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the bit yeah. that I'm initially curious about. Like, so yeah, like I can imagine you know the whole twelve years is just them. Ah, uh, right. In the cell, but after- what happens? Yeah. What happens after actually is like this is it's a true story. Like, one of the guys that was in there becomes the president of his country, and the other two like I think they work with him in the government or something. What the fuck. Yeah, they took over, I guess. They're like leftists, which in South America is like a, a big deal because in, in South America to be left is you're immediately like, oh, you're a communist. Like, right. Okay. There is no like, <laughs> I'm a I'm left, but I'm a Democrat, right? It's like, no, if you're left, you're a communist. And that's it. Yeah, there's no impartiality. It's just, yeah, that's, that's where it's at. Damn, okay. Yeah, that sounds like something I need to check out. Yeah, it is interesting though, in, these, in this corona situation where, it's important to look at people who've gone through this solitary confinement period. Mandela as well. Mm. He's probably the most highly publicized one. Read yeah. his book, man. Yeah, I read it a few years ago. I was like, you need the long walk to freedom. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck it's yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, so, so many bits of that. Today, I can't even remember a lot of it. I do remember the one bit where he talks about how his family life suffered because, you know, he, he just, after he got out, he just wasn't there. He was too busy spreading yeah. still. Yeah, which shows it's hard to get balance. But also there's the famous quote, which uh, I believe, you know, the he spends 25 years in prison and he knows that if he's resented the people who put him there or harbored any hatred or any 
resentment, any ill will, he would still be there. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> those guards were brutal as well. They used to, so they used to piss on him and shit on him and feed him rubbish food and t- take away his letters from his family, and he still forgave them. Yeah, because like when he thinks about that, he's like, I'm not like they're they're not really like the real them. No, because he has this one experience with the guard, right? Like he had like this really brutal guard in on Robin Island. But then he saw one day for like for one second that guard showed him like real love and he wasn't like being a, a piece of shit like usual. Yeah. Right? So Mandela felt that and then he realized, oh shit. So like even the most brutal people actually have like real love inside of them. Yeah. So maybe like all that bad energy is is coming from something else. Going from a place of pain, maybe. Right, yeah, sure. Yeah. Damn, that's yeah, it's a powerful one. I, it, this might be the same guy. They invited to his inauguration when he became president of South Africa. All oh, right, yeah, no, I think like he had, I think when he left prison, he had lunch with the prison guards' family or something, right? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, so, so <laughs> once, like, what? yeah. To be fair, that was one thing that really put things into perspective for me. Where if I was annoyed at anybody who treated me badly in the past, I'd think, well. Mandela managed to forgive people who did these things to him and he spent 25 years of his life doing what you know we're basically doing now but he didn't have Netflix he didn't have a nice you know he didn't have access to Goggins YouTube videos he didn't have anything of the sort so yeah maybe the bigger picture is required looking at this coronavirus period Mm, right yeah it all connects (laughs) yeah for real it looks like uh, Mandela and and Frederick Douglass too. It looks like both of them realize this that people just behave off of their programming. Yeah. Okay. So they don't really. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. So at times where maybe they're doing wrong or they're treating people badly, they don't realize where the programming's coming from. It's often a place of pain. They're just doing it on autopilot because it's become familiar over time. Right. It's definitely autopilot. Right? Like their mind just thinks of something it wants to do and they just do it. Yeah. Who, Frederick Douglass is this guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we spoke, I think it was a couple of days ago about him, but again, do you mind telling me a bit more about him? Is is he American? What was his story? Yeah, he was a slave in America, in Maryland, which is actually really close to where my hometown is. I'm from Virginia, back yeah, in the sure. States. And Maryland is just a, like a 45 minute drive away. Right, okay. Um, but yeah. yeah. What yeah. year is this? Like, I know it's 1800s on there, I'm, I'm bad with years. Yeah, I want to say like early 1800s. Yeah, I saw it in the brief biographies, the 1800s. So do you mind yeah. giving an overview what exactly happened throughout his, his life? So he was born into slavery. Um, so like as a kid, like, like imagine you grow up as a human kid and you're told that you are a slave and that you'll never, and you have no chance of leaving that situation. Imagine everyone tells you that when you're a kid, even your family tells you that. <clears throat> yeah. And but then just, what if you don't believe them, right? Like, what if what yeah. if you don't believe it? And that was him. He just refused to believe it. Yeah. Ah, okay. Something cool happened. Uh, so, <laughs> right. So like, they sold him, like, after having, like, living, he's, like, I think nine years old, right? He's had a fucking terrible life as a slave in Maryland, in the countryside, in the countryside. And then his owner, like, 
sells him or lets somebody borrow him or something, right? Because he's a slave. They just, they're like merchandise. So somebody in Baltimore, which is like a big city in Maryland, in the big city, somebody buys him and they, and the owner is nice to him, right? The woman. And he said he never felt somebody be nice to him before. Whoa. Um, but then after a few weeks of him living with her and her husband, like they started to see him more as a slave and their behavior to him changed. And then they weren't so nice anymore. They were like, he's like a pet, right? It's different. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a different relationship. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. But he was there to feel her love in the beginning. Like that love was definitely there. Like, and now it's just gone. But it was there though. Yeah, I mean, I can't think, where was the initial point for him where he began to beat his programming and think, no, I'm not a slave. I'm not what mm. people have defined me as because that must be extremely difficult to do. It's connected to this same moment because like the, the same lady that bought him, she teaches him like basic alphabet, maybe ABCs or stuff, right? Yeah. And then the husband sees that and the husband tells her like, don't teach him because if you teach him, he's going to get too smart and then he's going to fight against us. And she said, okay, so she stopped teaching him. But Frederick Douglass also heard him say that. So I was like, oh, fuck, and I have to read then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to learn how to read. Yeah. How did he hear? Were they like, you know, arguing in the kitchen, saying like, "Don't teach him, don't teach him, otherwise he'll overthrow." And he's just, you know, hid behind the door, like, "Ooh, this is the secret." It was. It was probably like it was. I think it was her teaching him, and the the husband saw it, and in that moment, he just confronted them about it. Ah, uh, right. Because don't, don't forget that to them, Frederick Douglass is not a human being. Yeah, of course. So they wouldn't even give him the courtesy of making sure he was away they just presumed that he, he he could hear the conversation but didn't have the skill to do anything about it yeah that it's not worth caring about that right yeah right okay damn that's yeah that's no respect whatsoever that is grim so then you know then imagine if everyone te- treats you like that but you still believe like i don't have to be a slave forever that's yeah, cool that, huh that is cool yeah it's almost you know you could use the word delusional but in a good way i don't know i'm sure you could flip that into being you know extraordinary it sounds delusional but then it actually happened yeah yeah like how did it ultimately you know come about like so after that did he just read and read and use that as the tool to become okay become he like so like i guess as a kid in the city he could walk around the city sometimes and interact with people right okay and he wanted to read and write that way and then in his house like the the son of the owner was a kid and he had school books so he would read through the school books and copy like the pages and shit Damn. so he taught himself like that and then yeah yeah well, and once he gets out of i suppose once he yeah i'm, what ah. I'm trying to say is yeah how does he ultimately Dude, the cool thing is this like he learns how to read and then he begins reading fucking like like not fuck like he starts reading like old history and catching up on human history and yeah. religion and theology. He's like catching up, catching up on everything because he's been a slave, right? He's never known anything. Yeah. Okay. So like once he learns how to read, he's just catching up on so much information. And then he's like really seeing like evidence like, damn, like slavery shouldn't even be a thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, according to this that I'm reading, according, according to your Christian Bible, right? Like how does this fit into the Bible? How does it fit? all of you treating us like animals according to the bible if jesus says that we're all humans and shit <laughs> yeah this all sounds a bit truman show-esque sounds a bit trippy 
right? Yeah, but it's a true story. But the cool thing is, this guy was the guy that he he pressured. This is the same guy that pressured Abraham Lincoln, uh, to view slavery as a bad thing, as unnecessary. Sorry. Damn. How did he do that? Like he has a big place in American history. Um. No, I think actually, honestly, I'm not sure, but. Like he just got really well known for speaking for civil rights, and at some point, him and Abraham Lincoln got in touch. Yeah, and then it all came from that. Damn, man, that just shows the power of the mind. Where even though the whole world, even his family, was saying, "Yeah, you are a slave. That's it." He said, "Nah, actually, I can get my way out." Yes, and he, yeah, he goes to just extraordinary lengths to do so. Damn, I'd love to see inside this. Guy. So imagine that he he not only. Like he not only escaped slavery physically, but he managed the the U.S. Constitution to get amended because it made it federally illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so he got way more than what he even thought he would. He changed the law of a country. Like he amended a constitution. <laughs> yeah, like he was involved in that. Oh my god. I imagine that, you know, when it comes to the end of your life, your final few hours, what did you do? I changed the law of a country. I changed the constitution. It's like, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right, yeah. Damn. Yeah, I need to do some more reading. So I, I, put him, I put him up there at, like, Mandela and Goggins <laughs> level, like, some extraordinary people. It feels like they're, um, you know, in different... It's like the timeline of, you know, extraordinary. So you have um, Frederick Douglass in the 1800s, Mandela in the 1900s, Goggins in the 2000s and 2010s. It's like an evolution of <laughs> superhumans. Of like, yeah, figures amongst men. It's extraordinary. Just like really strong mental awareness and all those people. Yeah. I always wonder what it is though. Like, do you think it comes from hardship where obviously all three of them had very difficult upbringings? Do you think that pain might have something to do with or be the main driving factor into doing what they achieved? and their success. Maybe the pain was part in helping them realize that awareness, maybe. Um, I know like in the times of my biggest suffering, which have been about stupid things, but I did suffer about it. <laughs> um, like that was a time that I could be more self-aware of noise in my, in my mind or my thoughts, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Yeah, and I suppose. So it feels like, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, Douglas, Mandela, Goggins all managed to become that awareness and see it come rather than identify too much. Or maybe just like, like if you think about it, like those three are not into non-dualism, right? But they still have some insight that is giving them that way of behaving, I guess, right? Like their insight that, at least for Mandela, everyone is behaving based off of their memories or their programming, right? It's like a pretty big insight. Yeah, massively. Even if you if you get that insight and you just stop there and don't go any deeper, like that's still a good place to be. Yeah, for real. Yeah, at least you know. You so I feel like that's cool, and uh, yeah, you have people like that even in our recent history, and we can learn about them. Yeah, you don't even have to have change the constitution of a country become president or break the pull up break the pull up record you can still just have awareness and that be the beauty in transforming the way you think and behave mm. yeah that's the way damn man these people just fascinate me as in you know 
I've often given up on extremely small tasks, and I look at these and think, wow, maybe... But they're, but they're not even different from you and I. There's just something in them that makes them keep going, and maybe yeah. special ingredient is the awareness. Right, they have some insight that most people don't have. Yeah, but I, but I do wonder, you know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, the pain. What is the, mm. you know, the I'm trying to think, what is the that one thing, that one, like, golden nugget that gives them the insight? It's a good question. Yeah, I'm contemplating it. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if this is a self-limiting belief. Maybe I'm too young to understand it. Maybe we both are, because, you know, we're in our 20s and 30s. So, damn, yeah. I think next time either one of us has, like, a really difficult situation, deal with and we'll know better in that moment yeah perhaps i was wondering you know if i was having a chat actually with a dude recently who was talking about his pain and why we shouldn't contextualize it because you can often i can often you can often look at say a frederick Douglass who is you know uh forced into slavery or mandela who had 25 years of torture in prison or the guys from the film you mentioned in the uruguayan prison <laughs> And mm -hmm. I can often say, oh, yeah, they, their pain is much worse than mine. But am I then, and, right, okay, I suppose I do believe that's true because, you know, my pain has never been anywhere near. But am I, am I devaluing my own pain by comparing it to others? Is it better that I feel and experience it myself rather than comparing? It's a tricky one to get my head around. Mm. Yeah, I think comparing is not really useful, I guess, in this, in this situation. Yeah. There's no need to, really. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, plus, if you want to really get a taste of what they went through, like try to visualize it, try it. Oof. Damn, yeah. And then see what, like, what are you, like, how are you responding in your visualization? Yeah, no, I've done that before with Mandela after mm. I think it was the last lockdown. Where the first lockdown, I was in a not a great apartment, shall we say? My apartment now is. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm th when I was in the old one, and I can imagine my, my old apartment is much nicer than a cell in Robben Island, for example, but I was still thinking, mm -hmm. oh, you know, <laughs> uh, what would Mandela do in this situation? Is it really as bad? And, yeah, just visualization is key. You can get to so many different vortexes of the world just through the power of imagination. It's extraordinary. It's like, it's like imagine this visualization, okay? Like, imagine you're in Mandela's cell, yeah. but you know, like, his, his cell was not big enough for him to lay his body on the floor straight he had to like move his legs because it, because the room true. was too small yeah so imagine living imagine living there for 18 years did, did he not have visualize to, what that yeah did he not have problems with his posture not that i know of yeah how, how because you know if you're if you have to stay there basically cross-legged for 18 maybe you just got used to it yeah, I think so. I think you just found a good position. But still, it's annoying that to have to do that for 18 years. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose the human, the human psych's pretty, pretty resilient, where he probably got used to it after a week. Yeah, and I think he was also reading a lot of stoicism. Yeah. How did he access that material, though? That, this is the thing that's back in the 80s. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, because I can understand nowadays if you're in this situation because information could travel everywhere. But in the, I think maybe he read a lot before that. He was a lawyer, man. Yeah, he yeah. read a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe he had access there and just rehashed it in his mind. So imagine like you're a lawyer, so like you, 
you're usually consistent, right? Like you know the law and then you judge things according to the law, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now imagine that he has like a way of thinking where like his insight says everyone is behaving based off of their mental programming. And then he's consistent with that and he sees everybody under that same lens. Yeah, damn. Yeah. With like lawyer consistency. <laughs> yeah, for real, man. Including his family, the guys who are torturing and abusing him, the people who sent yeah. him to jail in the first place, his enemies, his his fans. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Like he genuinely has no hate towards white people. Genuinely. Like not pretending, but it's genuine. <laughs> yeah. What a guy. And he's even inspiring like young white kids. Like if you study, you can be president too. Like, right? He includes everybody and it's for real. Yeah, yeah. Now, what one thing I've never done, and I've really, I'm probably going to do this after this conversation, is watch his inauguration speech. I'm ah, true. I'm sure it's on. Yeah. I'm sure it's on YouTube. But how have I never taken the time to watch that? Or the moment where he was released? I've seen the the newspaper. Ah, uh, yeah. I've never actually watched it on YouTube. And I, as I'm sat here chatting, I'm thinking, why have I not? Why have I not exposed myself to that? Also, like somehow find like the like some of the dialogue from his trial before he was sent to Robin Island. Okay. Have you found it? It's in the, yeah, yeah it's somewhere on YouTube, I think. Yeah, it has to be. Okay. Yeah, man. Did he know then it was, actually, I'm slightly confused. When he was sentenced, was it for life initially? Um, no, actually, when, when they were going to sentence him, like everyone thought like, this is like, this is a death sentence. You're going to get executed, right? Yeah. Like, and even Mandela says like he's ready to die for his cause. So fuck it. So bring it on. But I think because because he had so much support in the country, like they knew if they killed him, it would cause like major riots and outbreaks. Major, right? Yeah, for real. So like, okay, we're, we're not gonna kill him. We'll, we'll pull him in jail forever. And and Mandela and them were actually relieved because they thought they were gonna die, right? Yeah. Then yeah. they thought, oh, okay, jail forever is better than getting killed right now. Yeah, this maybe comes back to what we were chatting at the start of the podcast, where jail forever to most people sounds absolutely brutal. But if you're comfortable with yourself and your thoughts, because that's all you're going to have, then you'd be okay. Because that's, I mean, I suppose, obviously, Mandela's not here for me to have a chat with him about it. But if you're comfortable with your thoughts, then it wouldn't Mm. be that bad for you, right? Because that's all you have. But if you enjoy it, and it suits you, then you're going to be all right no matter what. Yeah, and I think I'm sure his insights on that came gradually as he was in prison. I'm pretty sure he didn't go into it already, like yeah, super zen mode. Yeah, of course. I highly doubt he went in and went, oh, here we go. Thoughts for the next three decades. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. Right. Yeah, Victor Frankl's kind of similar, the guy I referenced at the start. Oof. Yeah. I have to read that one. Which book was it again? Man's Search for Meaning okay oof yeah yeah i heard of that one it's only about 180 pages as well so and it's one of those books that once you pick it up you don't put down so within about three hours you've probably got it done okay okay yeah i think i've got a link for it actually i'll send you the link later yeah it's a good one please yeah it's please. Up there. yeah whilst we're on the subject of books you know any book recommendations you've got anything except for the fred frederick Douglass, which i'm definitely more intrigued to read now dude yeah read that and then later when you finish that like I'll send you the link to his letter that he wrote to his previous owner after he was freed. Oh, damn. Yeah. Is it? 
a bitter letter? Is it resentful or is it empowering? Um, it doesn't. I mean, uh, I'm sure there's like disappointment in what what he experienced, but I felt like there's no personal hate towards that person. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But he but he had to say the things that needed to be said. So that was his letter. Okay. Cool. Right. Okay. That sounds pretty sweet too. It's like imagine someone that owned you and your family, right? And like you could watch them beat the shit out of your family. Jesus. And you watched it growing up. <laughs> now that is intense. It's rough, man. Yeah, for real. Damn. It's like visualize that. Now visualize that situation. <laughs> Ooh, nah, I don't really want to go there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, no, not this situation, but fuck, that is brutal yeah and then, and then imagine like millions of people went through that that is what happened yeah do you remember when kanye came out a few years ago and said slavery was a choice mm. he calls some well you know what damn frederick Douglass would fuck what do you think what would he say because he fucking chose to not believe anyone yeah he didn't believe a single so yeah but it's hard man it's hard to do easy to say no, of course, yeah, it's much easier, you know, in hindsight. I always wish that in so many situations we had figures from across history who could talk to each other just to, you know, get these levels of insight. Like, you know, bring a figure from the past like Frederick Douglass in and, you know, see see what impact he has on modern world leaders. Right. Yeah, that'd be key. Damn. I do have to ask you on a slightly separate note, how's, you know, Jules and practice going in these times of chaos? It's, um, sorry, my beer is leaking. <laughs> um, I like opened my can and it was frozen. So now it's like fucking erupting. What's your choice of beverage? <laughs> um, you know what, dude? I love, for Vietnamese beer, I love Huda. Never had Huda that. beer. I don't think I've ever had Don't that. With the green label. Like Huda beer tastes like some beer that I've tasted back in Peru too. It's like similar taste. Right, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like venturing out from Tiger and blah, 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 because that was my initial splurge, shall we say. I remember my first three months, mm. the, the taste of Tiger was prominent, and now I'm a bit sick of Tiger. I've not had it in a while, and I'm not keen to go back. To me, Tiger tastes like Bangkok. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never been there, you see. I know we spoke on podcast one about how crazy Bangkok is, but <laughs> I'd enjoy Man, it sucks that now must be totally empty because of COVID, right? But back then, like, shit, it was popping, man. Yeah, like, especially, I actually was going to go. I was going to go for two nights, two nights only, just to see Green Day. I'm sure you know Green Day. Mm. Yeah. yeah, of course. I had tickets for them. and geez, Yeah, I think that was what the plan was, to go and see Green Day, favorite band in another country, tick that off, and then go on a night out in Bangkok. Ooh, that could have been chaos. <laughs> when i think of that this is something i will visualize i'll visualize that and think "Ooh, that could have ended you know <laughs> that could have ended in tears there's some cool stories from bangkok man like when we my dad and i we found uh ah and my bro pumi bro pumi we found this like latin bar in bangkok right and to get in you have to go to this phone booth and put and like like dial the password and then the door opens up what Whoa. it was fucking cool dude it was fucking cool yeah that does sound interesting man and we're just inside fucking dancing like salsa and reggaeton and shit it's fucking cool <laughs> it's also like your favorite genre would you say 
like if I go out to a club, it fucking there better be some Spanish music there, man. There has to be. <laughs> How'd you get? Is there any places you found in Saigon that do that? I mean, there's some like yeah. the most the coolest one I ever went to was like on my my actual birthday. I was having some dinner with my girlfriend and and my bro P in District Two. Oh yeah, in Taiwan, right? So then like we go for a walk after having dinner and we just find this random fucking uh, bar with the Latin DJ on my birthday. And this is at Soma. I think Soma, right? Soma or something. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there before. That was the shit, man. That was awesome. That does sound sweet. Yeah. All of my throwbacks, like my my people back in Virginia and Peru too, like if they hear this, like, you know, like Daddy Yankee, Teo Calderon, like classic shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nice. No, it's such a vibe. Occasionally now, what I'll do is, if I, you know, if I get a bit bored of being with my thoughts, I'll stick on random genres of music that I wouldn't usually have stuck on. And having the whole salsa vibe, it, it perks you up. It perks you up whatever time of the day. Dude, salsa, reggaeton, just like back in high school, like back in high school, we'd find like Latin parties in, like, in my hometown in Virginia. It was cool, man. Like reggaeton parties. <laughs> Daddy Yankee, all the old stuff. Yeah, for real, man. That sounds pretty. We sweet. sing Yandel. We sing Yandel. Alexis Ifido. <laughs> songs that you'd recommend for me to, you know, stick on tonight, maybe? Dude, I don't know why, but the first song that came to mind right now is Machete. Okay. Right. Sweet. Machete by Daddy Yankee. <laughs> no, all right, cool. I'll give that a try. And then visualize yourself in the fucking, like, <laughs> like a Latin party with, like, fucking disco lights and shit, but, like, in someone's basement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just people just just people just dancing around the walls and shit like it's cool that sounds all right I, i'm trying to visualize as many mixes as possible here like due to the situation <laughs> I don't know, when can we dance again who knows it's gonna yeah. i know right but yeah i, I was listening i was watching videos of tomorrowland and also this site trance festival in south africa for some reason and yeah i can definitely stick a latino basement Salsa style thing. Definitely still my visualizations. Maybe like travel to, to Colombia sometime or Puerto Rico or Cuba. Yeah, well, I've actually been thinking about doing the whole South America tour when I can, you know, whenever that may be mm. in a few years' time. I want to tick off continent by continent. You know, Asia was the plan. But so far, I've done two. But yeah, for real, I mean, yeah, you can join me if you like. We can go back to your place, Peru. And then move on. Bro, dude, okay, when you go to Peru, get ready to eat a lot of food okay what food because it's a foodie city like lima is a foodie city mm-hmm. um the thing is peru has like a different influence from different cultures and shit so we have the of course like spaniard right yeah spaniard yeah. we have some italian in our cuisine chinese african and then our own indigenous right okay nice that's quite so nice. those flavors like they mix and match and create these really cool fucking dishes yeah what would your typical uh, dish be? Like the one that I miss right now? Fuck. Yeah, it's like yeah. lomo saltado, which is like, <laughs> someone said it's like, it's like a stir fry, like Chinese food, but with French fries. <laughs> it kind of does look like that. Yeah, yeah. Now that, that ticks the boxes. You know, that's a <laughs> combination. I'm into that, you know. What's the name again? Lomo saltado. Lomo saltado. Yeah, man. It's like uh, you get like the fillet, like the beef tips of mm-hmm. fillet, and you uh, you oh, yeah, you saute them, right? You saute them, so they taste like smoky and shit. 
they're so good. And do you get them on like, like my? Do you get them on the street style? That one you might, but it's more of like a sit down restaurant type of thing. On the street, you might get like snacks, like like fried yuca. Yeah. Right? Like yuca or just like a fucking like this is street hamburger, which is not even there's not that much meat. They just fill it with a lot of ingredients like French fries and whatever <laughs> vegetables to make your burger look thick, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, what what I need to do is um I've got like a Netflix. I've been diving a bit more into Netflix recently, and the Street Food Asia, which I've watched quite a few episodes because obviously we're in Asia, but there's also Street Food South America, and I'm wondering mm. if Peru would be on there. I'm sure it would be. Dude, it should. It should, it should be. Now, you know what? I'll get yeah. it. And if it is, I will let you know. But then I can, you know, dive a bit more into Peruvian cuisine. Now, also, in Lima, like, get a vibe of the city. Like, when you land and you go to your airport, I mean, sorry, to your hotel, it'll probably be in, in Miraflores, like, the District 1 of Lima. Okay. So it looks like, it looks, like, cool and nice, right? Yeah. Like, it looks, like, up-to-date. But then, like... <laughs> Go to like my my family's district, which is San Juan de Lurigancho, which you can say is like the district twelve of oh, Lima, okay. I guess. Right. Okay. And, and it's fucking totally different, dude. <laughs> is it a different town? You're in a different place. It looks like you're in the Middle East or some shit. Damn. Okay. Yeah. How big is Peru? How, sorry, Peru. How big is Lima? How big is the place? Dude, Lima has a third of the whole country's population. Okay. Yeah, which is so like Lima's population is like about eleven million or something. Whoa, okay. That, yeah. That sounds quite yeah, that's quite big. I always wondered like in Peru, like why the fuck like the city's so crowded, but when we leave the city, like I barely see people. It's like, oh, okay, now I know because Lima has a third of the whole fucking population. <laughs> well, like I'm trying to think because I don't have that much knowledge of Peru as a country. What are, you know, two or three things that Peru would be famous for? Just, I'm just trying mm. to, yeah. Number one is food. Yeah. yeah. Number one is food. Because Latinos know ceviche, lomo saltado, ají de gallina, all that stuff. Like, they know. And um, I'm, sure, I'm sure many people want to say football next. Yeah, but there are and, um, famous Peruvian footballers, right? There's Nabea Solano. Right, yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, know? right. Like, like, in the Western world, like, there's not many at all. Like, yeah, Solano was one of them. Pizarro, the play for Bayern Munich. Okay, that's all right. Claro, claro See, like, you don't know him. Like, and in Peru, literally every human being knows him. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'd, be, it'd be nice if Peru and Vietnam had, like, a breakout star. <laughs> yeah. Like, one who reached, like, the Premier League. But if this dude he just mentioned played for Bayern Munich, that's huge. The problem with him was this. Like, some people, even though they're really talented, they're not good leaders. Mm, okay. And in, and in Peru, everyone made this dude captain right but he's not a real leader he's just really fucking good right okay they just made him because <laughs> he's the best player yeah because like no one on the team plays for fucking like any team as cool as Bayern Munich this dude does okay he's the fucking captain immediately right like, <laughs> yeah it's like you play for Munich go <laughs> Give yeah band, yeah and what was he like, I'm... was he like a Peruvian celebrity so was he like a the Peruvian yeah. where he just you know parties a lot and not really parties a lot, but the problem was like he would play for Peru and always disappoint. Like oh, okay. every big game, like, like he would miss shots that were just like, I don't get it. You score for Bayern Munich like every other game, but you miss every shot for Peru. Like we just had trouble digesting that. 
Right. Yeah. How does that happen? It's yeah. And how does it happen so much? Like maybe I think just the pressure, like yeah, the, the national shirt, is more than the club. You know. It is well, yeah. I found that watching England in the two thousands, where we had all these mega stars and they came together in an English shirt and played really dross football. It was awful. But shit, man. Yeah, that, that's the way. I think maybe the the hype where the whole country knows him and the whole country are like, yeah, this guy, this guy, and they're obsessed with him. And then maybe when he gets on the big stage, he thinks, oh fuck, <laughs> time to perform now. And maybe yeah, the pressure got to him. Who knows? What's funny was like. After this guy, Pizarro, after he stopped getting called up to play for Peru, the guy that came afterwards, his name is Paolo Guerrero. He also played for Bayern Munich when he was young, but eventually he played for Hamburg and then went back to South America and played in, in a Brazilian team, right? Yeah, sure. But, like, this dude, like, he became the next captain and he took on all the pressure and he handled it like a boss. Yeah. And then Peru qualified to the World Cup in 2018. Like that. It's like It was that fast. What the f- well, Peru were in the yeah. World Cup? Yeah, we were in the same group with France, Denmark, and Australia. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, forgot that. I know the France-Denmark game was... I can't remember. How did they do against France? Do you remember? Peru and France or, or Denmark and France? Uh, Peru and France. I know Denmark-France was nil-nil. Ah, uh, yeah. Cause it was like, dude, I went to Peru to watch that game. Like, I watched it with my family in Peru. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, dude, I watched on this beautiful fucking, like, super HD TV how France beat us 1-0. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, but it was HD, though. It was fucking cool. It was crisp. Yeah. I suppose there's no shame in that, you know, losing to the world champions. They ultimately went on to win it, so losing 1-0 to them isn't, you know, isn't too And it was a good game, too. It was a good game to watch. Yeah. Wait, so how did Peru do against Denmark and Australia? I know that dude, they didn't qualify, but... That was, that was sad. Like, the first game, like, Peru... Peru didn't go to the World Cup for 36 years, right? Yeah. So when it was a big deal, and our first game was against Denmark, and of course, like all the people on our team, even the most experienced person on the team, has never played in the World Cup, so everyone's fucking like nervous. <laughs> so yeah, that's like a shitty excuse, but that did happen, I think, in the first half at least. Yeah, for real. And they, oh, and we fucking missed a penalty kick against them. It was it was still zero zero, and fucking Cueva missed a penalty kick, oh. and then. And we're like motherfucker. And after that, then the game was always close, man. But they scored the goal and we didn't. Um, their keeper is fucking really good, wasn't it? He plays for Leicester City. Oh, Kasper. Schmeichel. Fucking Schmeichel is good, man. He's fucking good. Yeah, no, he's a brilliant keeper, yeah. But he did annoy the England fans, including myself a bit, in the summer where they interviewed him before the semi-final and said, oh, you know, what, are you going to stop football coming home? He's like, well, it's never been home, has it? So he was, you know, trying to wind us up. But then we won to one, so... Your game is today, right? Manchester United. Yeah, which you know brings me nicely to what I was going to say soon is like the football talk and I've enjoyed the conversation, but United are playing ten minutes, so I'm going to Oh shit. Make a cup of tea and wrap this conversation up, bro. But thanks for what, coming on. Who are they playing? Uh playing Southampton. Ah, true, true. true. Yeah. I don't know anybody on that team. United should win, should win two 0 Two or three. Who'd you guys recently buy? Uh, Rafael Varane from Real Yeah, Varane. Oh, that's going to be a good signing. I've not been this excited about a United signing in years. We literally need a commanding defensive leader who's a winner at the highest level. And he's won the World Cup and four Champions Leagues. And he's a long-time that is true. player who's filled, who's filled his role great in the last couple of years. So I think United could do some really exciting things this year. But I don't want to get too carried away. 
one game at a time. We'll see how we do in a few minutes against Southampton. Is Cavani still playing for Manu? Yeah, signed for one more year, but he's 35, so he's the old guard, and he'll have one more year influencing and mentoring the up-and-coming prospects like Sancho, Greenwood, Rashford, and then he'll step aside. But he's great to time down for another year because he's a huge leader. Dude, yeah, dude, he's a he's a badass, man. Yeah, he's a machine. Give it, give it, give it to Eddie <laughs> Cavani. <laughs> Love that song. But he's a... And he's also a fucking really nice guy. Oh, yeah. How'd you know? <laughs> Just some <laughs> interviews I've seen with him in oh, Spanish. Okay, yeah. He's like yeah. a really nice dude. <laughs> but he's hardcore on the field, man. Yeah, he's a machine. He's done it at the highest level. But yeah, just before we <laughs> have you seen the lightning outside in the last three or four minutes? No, no, not yet. It's been extraordinary. I'm just chat. We're just chatting away there about Peru against Denmark, and suddenly this huge lightning came across. Looked like something out Damn. of the film, and I was like, "Whoa!" It's extraordinary. It's fucking Pikachu. Yeah, there's just light everywhere. But yeah, yeah. Let's wrap this up then. Now, cheers, Nick, for coming on, and let's do this again. Maybe I don't know, lockdown special next week or something. Yeah, let's see how like, our mental health changes every week. <laughs> yeah, not bad shout, man. Cool, take care. <laughs> see you, man. Peace.